Let us pray. God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The scripture today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 32, verses 1 to 8, verse 15, and verses 19 to 24. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us, who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it into a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, and, and they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain, carrying the two tablets of the covenant in his hands, tablets that were written on both sides, written on the front and on the back. As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets from his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made burned it with fire, ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are bent on evil. They said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, whoever has gold, take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. The word of the Lord. Who knew? Moses was the first one to break the Ten Commandments. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning and present Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. 
Amen. There is nothing like an impending crisis to make everyone feel highly anxious. And the crisis caused by the recent coronavirus has created a wave of fear and anxiety like few things in most of our lifetimes. Whether it's warranted or not remains to be seen, and maybe we'll never really know, but that's beside the point. The fear is real. And unfortunately, human beings usually make their worst decisions and behave most poorly and selfishly when they are anxious and afraid. But perhaps the thing that we tend to fear most is the unknown. It's actually amazing what human beings are capable of, 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 of dealing with when they know what they are facing. I actually think this is one of the reasons why people are so much more worked up about the coronavirus than they ever get about the flu, even though the flu kills tens of thousands of people every year in our country alone. But at this point, we've gotten so used to the flu, we're familiar with it. It, it doesn't scare us so much anymore. No, it's... It's the not knowing that drives us nuts, the uncertainty. It, it makes us feel like we are out of control. And there is no crisis that makes us more anxious than feeling out of control. And that is why there is no toilet paper. Let me explain. When we are feeling out of control, as this coronavirus is making everyone feel, we tend to do just about anything that makes us feel like we are doing something to protect ourselves and take back control of our lives. And that usually involves going out and buying some product that makes us feel safer, more secure, whether legitimate or not. We have always loved placebos. But when all the masks and all the hand sanitizers quickly sold out, people started going into a panic, and so they quickly turned to the next, apparently most important thing, toilet paper. After all, if, if everything shuts down for a while and we don't have access to supplies, there are many things that we really can do without if necessary, right? Ice cream, movies, TV shows, sports, cauliflower, laundry detergent. Fine wine? Well, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> but apparently, nobody wants to be caught dead without toilet paper. I guess you got to pick your priorities with the coming apocalypse. You know, I even read an article, one expert was saying that it's actually a good thing that people are stockpiling toilet paper because it gives them some semblance of control in their lives, which in turn will therefore lower their anxiety levels and make it less likely that they're going to get sick. Maybe. 
Unfortunately, not everything we do to alleviate our anxiety is good for us. In fact, most of the time it's not. Remember, we usually make our worst decisions when we are anxious. And sometimes they can be downright deadly. But there are a few things that can be more destructive to our souls than when we betray our God in an attempt to alleviate our anxiety. Well, in our text this morning, it has now been three months since the Exodus. Three months since Moses had led the Israelites through the parted waters of the Red Sea from slavery into freedom. Three months that the Israelites had depended upon God and Moses' leadership to guide them and provide for them through the wilderness. When the people complained that they were thirsty, God commanded Moses to strike a rock with his staff and out poured water for the people to drink. When the people complained to Moses that they were hungry, God sent manna and quail for all the people to eat. When the Amalekites attacked the Israelites along the way, God listened to Moses as he raised up the staff in prayer over the battle and God brought victory to the Israelites. For three months, God had been demonstrating his faithfulness and his presence to his people through Moses. But then they arrived at Mount Sinai. And the presence of the Lord descended upon the mountain in lightning and thunder clouds and fire. And God spoke the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, claiming them as his people and making a covenant with them. And they were terrified. And so they pleaded with Moses that, that, that he might be their mediator, that he would speak to them on God's behalf. Otherwise, they feared that they would die. They did manage to vow multiple times, however, that they would obey all of God's commands and keep the covenant that God had made with them. But then Moses had gone up onto Mount Sinai to receive the two tablets containing all of the commandments written by the finger of God. But it had now been almost six weeks since Moses had been gone. That's six weeks of sitting around with nothing to do. Six weeks of being stuck in one place with nowhere to go. Six weeks of wondering when your food supply was suddenly going to disappear. Six weeks of wondering where the next threat and attack might come from. And so the Israelites became very anxious and very antsy. After all, nobody knew when Moses would return or even if he would return. I mean, 
Who would lead them now? Who would speak God's word to them? And for that matter, would they even have access to God now without Moses? And after all, he was their mediator, their prophet, the one who guaranteed the presence of God in their midst. So when the people lost Moses, it felt like they were losing their God as well. And now they were lost in the middle of the wilderness with a missing leader and an absent God. And God's people have always struggled when it seems as if our God is absent. But you know about that, don't you? I mean, surely all of us have had times in our lives when it has seemed as if God is just nowhere to be found. You know, maybe, maybe you prayed and prayed for something in your life, uh, a new job or, or a relationship or a baby or a reconciliation or a dream or a healing and it just never came. Maybe, maybe you so desperately sought the will of God for a really important decision in your life and yet all you ever heard were crickets. Or, or maybe that person who had such a profound impact on your own spiritual journey is now gone and it feels as if God has left you as well. And whenever we are feeling anxious over God's apparent absence in our lives, we almost always try to do something to fill that void. You know, maybe we make a significant change in our life. We look for a new job or a new relationship or we move to a new place or look for a new church. Maybe we try to medicate our anxiety through drugs or alcohol or pornography or shopping. Or maybe... Maybe we simply go looking for a new God to worship. When the Israelites became anxious about Moses' absence, and therefore God's absence, they came to Moses' brother Aaron, and they said, Come, make gods for us who will go ahead of us. As for this Moses, we don't know what's become of him. And so Aaron told all the people to bring their golden earrings to him, and he took all of this gold, and he shaped and molded it into the image of a calf, and he made an altar there before the calf. And all the Israelites came and worshipped it, making burnt offerings and sacrifices to this golden calf, already forgetting the first two commandments that they had just vowed again and again to keep, thou shalt not have any other gods before me and thou shalt not make any graven images for yourselves. But the Israelites were very anxious. And again, we usually make our worst decisions when we are anxious. 
If only they had had toilet paper, none of this would have happened. Notice, though, that when the Israelites decided to give up on Moses and the Lord, they didn't decide to give up on this whole God idea. They didn't stop worshiping. They didn't become atheists. No, they, they just found something else to worship. That's because, according to G.K. Chesterton, when people stop worshiping the God of heaven and earth, it is not that they now worship nothing, but that they worship everything. You see, human beings, we were created to worship. That's how God made us. We can't even help ourselves. The only real question is where we are going to direct that worship. And when we forget, or when we're just too busy, or too tired, or just simply choose not to worship God, well, we instinctively find something else to worship. Betraying the God who created us and claimed us as his own. Oh, and we'll worship just about anything, won't we? Certainly the media these days and hand sanitizer is practically deified at this point. But we worship our careers, our families, our houses, our cars, our vacations our hobbies, our sports, our idols, our country, our political parties, our sexuality, oh, and our security. Security has always been our favorite idol, hasn't it? Many people simply worship themselves. But this is why we have always urged you to make worship a top priority in your life. Not because it strokes the preacher's egos to have more people listening, but because if we're not worshiping God, we will be worshiping something else, something that cannot give us life. We're worshiping the creation instead of the creator, and that is always dangerous to our souls. In the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson, a person will worship something, have no doubt about that. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. So it behooves us to be careful what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. So the question is, what are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Your parents? Your spouse? Your best friend? Your boss? Your mentor? Your idol? Our president? Our anxious nation? 
Or are you becoming more like the God revealed in Jesus Christ, in whom we have the sure promise that God will always be with us and will never abandon us, no matter what the crisis? For there is now nothing in all of creation, Paul assures us, that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, not even the coronavirus. But the only way we'll ever truly know that and believe that and experience that and therefore become more like this God of grace and mercy and peace is if we make worshiping him our top priority. Otherwise, in our anxiety, whether we intend to or not, we will simply go chasing after other gods, gods that are far more manageable or tangible or accessible or Instantly satisfying. But I'm telling you, none of those gods can save you. None of those gods can take away your anxiety. And again, few things make us feel more anxious than being out of control but I hate to break it to you. None of us are in control. Control is an illusion. But the good news is that we have a God who is in control, who is sovereign, who is faithful, who is present among us. Now that doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen. But it does mean that no matter what happens, God will always be with us through every pandemic and every crisis and every divorce and every job loss and every disappointment and every heartbreak and every loss of a loved one. Frankly, he's the only one that will be. Something the people of God have experienced and discovered again and again across the centuries. So in the coming days and weeks, when you are feeling highly anxious about the coronavirus or anything else, I encourage you to flip through the pages of the Psalms and discover the great words of promise and hope that the psalmist discovered as they worshiped God. Like in Psalm 9, those who know your name put their trust in you for you, O Lord have never abandoned those who seek you. Or Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Or Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth should change and the mountains shake, for God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning comes. For the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, you don't actually need toilet paper after all. Well, 
Yes, actually, you do need toilet paper. Please use toilet paper. But it cannot save you. And it will not take away your anxiety. Only Jesus can do that. And only by choosing to worship the one true living God revealed in Jesus Christ will we ever become free of our anxiety and our fear because only perfect love casts out fear. But if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus and put your trust in him, he will love the fear right out of you. So let us be responsible, but let us not live in fear, because the Lord of hosts is with us. But wash your hands. Amen.